Reverend Reesgraf? That's a new title. So, uh, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about history of this church in the sense of when I, when I came, when we came here in 91, I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was foreign to, foreign to me. It was so much, I believe, in the American church. Uh, we give the Holy Spirit token uh, acknowledgement. We, we talk about the Spirit. But I believe, by and large, in America, the Holy Spirit is unknown or certainly misunderstood. And once I've tasted of the Spirit, I can't go back. Uh, the Spirit is, is the power of God. And I, I thank so much Pastor Don for the, the instruction and the knowledge about the Holy Spirit that I've gained. And it's life-changing. When you know the Spirit, your life has changed because you have the whole God. I'm going to just put it that way. You have the whole God. You can have, you can have the Father. We know the Father. And the Father loved us enough to send his son to die for us. That shows his love for us, because can, can you imagine as a parent sending your child off to be sacrificed? It, it's a tremendous example of what the love of the Father is. And then Jesus, he actually came and offered himself as a sacrifice, which shows his commitment to us and his love for us. And so, so often we stop with that. And, and, and I'm not diminishing those things at all, not diminishing it, but what's the, there's another person in the Trinity. He's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to finish the work. The work is not done yet. Jesus, has, Jesus on the cross said, it's finished. Well, his portion is finished. But now the we need to introduce the Holy Spirit because he's completing the work that the Father started, sent Jesus. Jesus completed his part. Now the Holy Spirit has to complete his part and is completing his part. For me, it's, you know, we've heard different examples of what is the Trinity. Well, we've talked about egg and water, you know, water, liquid, solid, vapor. But for me, the analogy I have is electricity. Father would represent the power plant. 
the source of everything. But just to have a power plant doesn't meet our needs, doesn't fulfill what we need. So then Jesus is the way. Jesus is the power, the lines, the infrastructure. He's going to bring, he's bringing salvation to us. He's bringing the electricity to us. And he, but the Holy Spirit is the electricity. It's what causes things, he's what causes things to actually happen. I, that's, that's the best way I can portray the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, you can, you can perform some things without really understanding the Holy Spirit. You can get things done that, you, that God wants you to be doing. But what about in today's world, when we put in a new service for a house, it's usually 200 amps. When I was growing up, many homes and even farms had 60 amp power. Now what that means is, with 60 amps, you can't do today what you want to do in your home. If you only had 60 amp service, you've got an air conditioner, a freezer, a refrigerator, a stove, all these things require more power. If you were sitting with a 60 amp service, you would probably couldn't run your air conditioner if you wanted your freezer to work. I'm just using that as an example for the power that's out there that's available to us if we understand our need for it. And that's what I want to get across today is our need for the Holy Spirit, our need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it is not diminishing anything from the Father or the Son. We're not diminishing Jesus. And I'm gonna, I want to uh, touch on that right away with uh, John 16, 7. Oh, boy. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will come. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's the key word that the Lord gave me was advantage. Now, it's to our advantage for Jesus to leave because then he's going to bring us the help that we need to do what he wants us to do. Without the helper, we're going to fall short. If we're just relying on what Jesus did, we're going to fall short without some help. Another different terms that are used for the Holy Spirit is comforter, friend, advocate, counselor, intercessor, strengthener. These are just some other terms instead of helper that can be used 
to describe who he is. But his job is to give us an advantage. To give us an advantage. So most of us appreciate an advantage, don't we? We want advantages. If someone, if you have something that you know you have to buy and there's a sale on it, you want to take advantage of it. It's, it's a good thing. It's something, advantage can mean better. It's good for you. Those are other terms to use for advantage. And the one I like to use, the advantage is profitable for you. It's profitable for you to take advantage of what God is offering. You're going to become better off for it. So we need to take advantage of what the Lord has sent to us. And we have to use it. So where is the Holy Spirit in the Trinity? John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit is so connected with the Father and the Son, there is no hint of competitiveness. It's, it's, they're so synchronized that he's not going to say anything except what the Father or the Son tells him to say. There's, so it's, that's where he is in the, in the Godhead. He is, the Holy Spirit is God, just as Jesus is God, he's uncreated, he's co-equal, he's eternal. He is God. It's, it's so much like when you come to salvation, it's not enough for you to believe in God. You have to believe in Jesus. There are there are. They're one, but they're distinct, three distinct persons in the Trinity. And we need to not neglect the third person of the Trinity. We need to put him in his proper place. We need to uh, take advantage of what he has to offer and what Jesus has set up for us to take advantage of. It's a mutual thing. It, again, there's no competition. There's no competition within the Godhead. It's synchronized. It's synergy. He wants us to use all that God has to offer for us. Uh, so once you have tasted of the Spirit, it's... It, there, there's nothing to replace it. The Spirit has to be a part of your life once you've tasted of Him. And the interesting thing 
is in the Bible, in Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit is mentioned as hovering over the water. And do you know that the, the fifth from the last verse in the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit, and, and he's saying, the Holy Spirit and the bride are saying, come, come and drink, come and be part of the, of the, uh, of the banquet, and, and take everything that God has. So from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit's in it all the way. And so often we, we read over it and we don't realize the importance of the Spirit that's in the verses. Um, in, in the Old Testament, the way I see the Old Testament is that it was primarily God speaking. You know, God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Abraham. That, I believe that's the Father. Again, God is all three of them. So I'm saying God the Father spoke, but the Spirit is all over in the Old Testament. And I think from my experience, I, I'll just put it this way. When I was, when our kids were young, there were still Volkswagen Beetles on the highway. Well, so to keep the kids amused for a while on a long trip, you'd say, count all the Volkswagen Beetles you see. So you drive an hour and a half, and however many Volkswagen Beetles you see, you've got to count. But if you hadn't said, look for the Volkswagen Beetles, you wouldn't have seen any, probably. And that's the way I feel so much of the Holy Spirit is, if you're not looking for him, you're going to just, he's just going to go right past you. But when you look at the Bible, and you see the Father is being primarily the voice in the Old Testament, but the Spirit is so very active in the Old Testament. Uh, David says in Psalm 51, Take not your spirit away from me. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. The Holy Spirit in that time was, I would call it periodic and many times individual. He'd give, the Holy Spirit would be deposited on an individual or for a certain time. Uh, we'll look at Numbers 11, 24, and 25. So Moses went out and, and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to them and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed it, placed the same upon the 70 elders, and it, hap and it happened when the spirit rested on them that they prophesied, although they never did it again. It was for a time and for a purpose. The Spirit was involved. Uh, and, you know, it indicates Moses was talked to directly by God, but the Spirit was also involved in that. So we have to understand that in the Old Testament, he was periodic and so much more individualized. 
Judges 14.6. And this is Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one, as one would uh, have torn apart a young goat, though he, did, he had nothing in his hand. But in, he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. The Spirit of the Lord came down upon him for a certain situation for a certain time. And note, we know about Samson, but he's a, such a good example of the strength that the Holy Spirit, the power that the Holy Spirit has and, and conveys to us. Uh, did something happen? Okay. Uh, then also 15, uh, Judges 15, 14. Then he came to Lehi. The Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his hands became like flax that is burned in fire, and the bonds broke loose from his hands. Two times the Spirit came down mightily. The Spirit is power. Not only power, but that's a major attribute of the Spirit. He's power. He's physical power. He's mental power. He's spiritual power. We know that the Old Testament is, is types for us. And so we need the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power to come down mightily upon us. We, know, we need to know how to get it. We need to know how to attain it. We need, have, we need to know that it's available to us. If we don't know it's available to us, we aren't going to use it. It's, if you don't know there's an outlet on the wall, you're not going to plug in. You've got to know where to get the power. So those are just a couple examples of the Old Testament, how it worked in the old times, in the Old Testament. But then in, in uh, Joel 2.28, it's prophesied, this is what's to come. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young man shall see visions. What keeps us, so many people seem to be so apprehensive about things of the Spirit that we begin to neglect all the benefits of, of understanding who the Spirit is and the power that He gives us. And even the word prophesy might scare people. Oh, my goodness, what am I? Prophecy, in this case, is just uh, edification, exhortation, and comfort. You're going to give words that edify. You're going you're to say things that are exhorting. And you're you're going to say things that are comforting. It's not, it's not a big uh, when's the world ending type of pro. That's not what we're talking about when we say prophesied. You're talking about things you're, you're encouraging and you're building up people. You're comforting people. So 
That was prophesied. In Acts 2, 1 through 4, this prophecy comes true. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in, with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It is the prophecy of Joel was being fulfilled, still is being fulfilled. This is not a one-time event. This is a constant event for anyone who wants to take advantage of being filled with the Spirit. And I'm not going to get into the tongues thing because it is an advantage. Speaking in tongues is an advantage if you're willing, uh, if it doesn't, I'll just say it. I think just people are scared of it. They're scared of it. And, but speaking in tongues, I'll say it personally, it's a tremendous advantage. For me, it says in First uh, Corinthians 14 that speaking in tongues edifies the person unless it's used with interpretation. So, but we, we need to take advantage of everything God is offering us and not to be afraid of it. So, um, So Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, needed the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. This is a prophecy again about the Messiah. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. That's what the Messiah is going to possess. And that spirit is not, not four or five different spirits. It's the Holy Spirit. It's one spirit. He's going to possess all those things. The Messiah that to come is going to have the ability because he's going to have the spirit with him. We, we have to, I just so want to understand that you have to have all three parts of the Godhead. The Trinity is so important. Matthew, so this is the prophecy, Matthew 3, 16 and 17. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, beside the fact that the Spirit came and rested on him, you see in this passage that all three members of the Godhead are taking part in it. You've got Jesus receiving the Spirit, the Spirit coming down on him, and the Father saying, this is who 
this is what I have set up for you. And I am pleased with my son. You've got all three components of the Godhead in one, in two short passages, showing the cooperation again, the synergy of the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son. It's, they're so connected, and we need them to be connected. If we're going to take full advantage of, of God, full advantage of God, we need to use all, uh, all three persons. We need to know all three persons. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit and with power. Anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. With power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Isn't it? Just look at that now. God. We have to look at how we use the word God. It's a, even though Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy Spirit and God anointed him, at the end it says, and God was with him. It can seem kind of redundant, but it's just showing how much there's, they're so meshed, they're so one. And then in, in, the, in the New Testament, it talks about how God wants us to be one with him. He wants us to be united with all three individuals, all three persons of the Holy Spirit, of, of, the, of the Trinity. And the power, power, power is what it's about. And I'm not talking about power to dictate or to hold over someone. I'm talking about power to do what God wants us to do, what God has, what God has ordained for each one of us to do. We get the power through the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus gives us the Spirit. 1 John 3.24 Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. If we're walking with the Spirit, and there's, there's so many verses that talk about walking with the Spirit and, and you know, conquering the flesh. If you walk by the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, you're going to reap the Spirit. God gave us the Spirit so that we could abide in Him. I'll say it more fully. It's not that people who don't know the Holy Spirit don't have a relationship with God, but they don't have everything they could have. It's just, it's just not there because... You don't have understanding of the whole Godhead. First John four thirteen. By by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. It's the same idea. 
but it's repeated in just a few verses. John is trying to tell us, if we have the Spirit, we can abide. We can abide. That's what gives us the power to abide, to stay with it, to reap all the benefits. Psalm 103 says, forget not all his benefits. We need to have all the benefits of God, not just some. We don't want to just get by. We want to have all the benefits of God. The Holy Spirit speaks with us. Just a couple examples. Acts 13.2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It's another case. If you're listening to the Spirit, if you know His voice, He's going to tell you what to do. He's going to give you instructions. Uh, you know, he just, the Holy Spirit is a personal, personal person of God. We don't, Jesus, we have a personal relationship with Jesus. We should also have a personal relationship with the Spirit because he's a personal God. And then we also see it in uh, Acts 10, 19 through 20. When Peter th thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are, are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go and go to them, and go with them, do, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. The Spirit said, the Spirit said it. And if you, this is taken from when Jesus, or uh, Peter, is seeing a vision that, that causes him great concern. It's this, a vision of now you can eat all the food. There's no, there's no separation anymore. The, G, Peter was raised with, I can, uh, you know, I can only eat clean food, and the Spirit is telling him, no, you can do it. It's open to you now. Well, you better know the voice of the Spirit. So when, when God tells you something like that that is contrary to what you've been told in the past, you, you've got to know that it's the Spirit telling you it. And he said, don't doubt. Peter had to know the voice of the Spirit. We need to know the voice of the Spirit so that we don't get tripped up. But when, when, the, when the Spirit talks to us that we listen and obey because we know the voice. That, that indicates or requires a personal relationship. And I think so often, from my own experience and from what I see in, in the larger church, uh, people don't. You give, you give token acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit instead of developing a relationship that's real and that's desired by God. He wants us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is an interesting thing about God. You know, there's so many things, <clears throat> you know, you must lose your life 
if you want to gain it, you know, and the, uh, the oxymorons. But the Holy Spirit is a gift, and he brings gifts. Acts 2.38 Then Peter said, repent and let every one of you be uh, baptized in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So after you're saved, God wants you to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have a part of our life, the Holy Spirit. Then 1 Corinthians 12, 4. <laughs> there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now the Spirit is a gift, and then the Spirit gives gifts. He gives gifts. He's a gift, and he gives gifts. That's the way God works. So what are some of the gifts? Uh, what's the purpose of the gifts? First, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. If we're walking in the Spirit, and we know the Spirit, and we know His voice, we are able to provide a profit for other believers. It enables us to do what God wants us to do, to more fully do what God wants us to do. Uh, again, I, I go back to the 60-amp service versus the 200-amp the service. I'm not saying that you can't do anything for God without uh, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can do so without having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm saying if you want to maximize your life and your purpose on earth, you need the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to do what he did. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, we certainly need the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. But to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of, of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of uh, my goodness, of, uh, well, you're, you can read it. <laughs> to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we have a list of things the Holy Spirit provides for us. Well, we have to seek them. First Corinthians 14 once says, Eager, uh, pursue love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, 
especially prophecy. But the key word is eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. They're available. And I don't believe that there's, you can only have one. You might have one dominant one, but you can desire all these gifts and you can operate in all of these different gifts, at least periodically. And there might be one that the Lord really places. You know, there are people that have healing ministries and there are people who are great discerners of spirits. But that doesn't mean that's just one and done. No, this is a time when you want to seek for everything you can get. It's all available to some degree, but you have to know the Spirit and you have to be uh, open to a personal relationship. Know His voice, understand His voice. You know, the Holy Spirit is so gentle and so kind. I might have told you this story. Uh, I think um, just an example of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I I have cattle and calves on a farm, and and I had a calf that was not being accepted by its mother, and so as I was trying to get it, trying to get a hold of it so that I could, anyway, I don't have to go into the farming aspect of it, but I had to try to get that calf. And so I'm chasing it, and he went down in a ravine, and I was up on top, and I said, I just kind of said to the calf, you know, as I'm trying to follow it, I said, oh, if you just stop, all I want to do is help you. And the Lord told me, he says, that's what you're doing with me. Now, that's a very sobering, a sobering thing to have the Lord tell you that you're running from him. But when the Holy Spirit gives it to us, it is so comforting. That's one of his words, one of his names comforter. He's a corrector, but he does it in such a kind and gentle way. And there's no arguing about it, because you just understand, yeah, in some aspects of my life, that's what I was doing. Now, I was, this is when I was not a new believer. I'm just saying that God is always after us to make us more perfect and more holy. And he's saying there's an aspect of your life that you're still running away from me on. But the Holy Spirit is so good and so kind and so gentle. He speaks the truth. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And when you know his voice, you don't argue with it because he's telling you the truth. So uh, that's kind of it. I just feel so strongly that we need to understand the, the personal side of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know Him intimately. It's, 
It's not taking anything away from Jesus, the work of Jesus. In fact, as we said at the beginning, he only says what the Father or the Son tells him to say. So we're not diminishing anybody's role, any Jesus' role or the Father's role. We're incorporating them. We're bringing them together so that we take full advantage of what God has done for us and what he's doing with us. Uh, I've heard of a, a pretty well-known minister who said he didn't, he didn't believe we should pray to the Holy Spirit. So I guess if, if that's a debatable issue for you, then that's fine. I don't think there's any clearer spot in the Bible that tells us one way or the other. I personally believe, yes, pray to the Holy Spirit because he is an individual. He's a person, and he's part of the Godhead. And just understand that he only does what the Father tells him to do. He only does what Jesus tells him to do. He, he's always bringing glory to, to Jesus. So when you pray to the Holy Spirit, you're not bypassing the Father and the Son. You're, you're communing with them the way God wants you to commune. He wants you to have that full power to do everything that God wants you to do. And without the Spirit, you're kind of, it's kind of like a two-legged stool. You can sit down. I can get a two-legged stool if I had one here. I, maybe I should have brought one. But if I brought a stool up here and I could sit down and I could rest a little bit, but it'd be a little unstable. But if I put the third leg in there, I can rest on it. I can be stable. I can relax. And I can regain my strength. But if I sit on a two-legged stool, it's going to give me a little relief, but it's not going to give me complete relief. And so when God wants us to do something, he wants us to have everything we need to do it. So that's my message for you today, that the Holy Spirit is a, is, is a person. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants, he wants to know you in an intimate fashion so that, uh, so that you can do everything God wants you to do. Um, don't, uh, there's so much more about the Holy Spirit this is just the opening salvo, so to speak, just to understand him better. And uh, if you think, when you start reading your Bible, just start to use the, the, the Volkswagen Beetle uh, scenario. Start looking for the Spirit. Look in your Bible. Look for the Spirit in there. So, so often we read these things and it just passes over us. 
and we don't get the full impact, the full benefit, the full advantage. That's the word the Lord gave me when he brought me to this topic was advantage. Take advantage of what is being offered to you. Don't, don't shy away from it. Don't be afraid of it. Investigate it, but take advantage of all that God has for us so that we do, we do the will of God. Uh, you know, he's a covenant God. If, he's, if he said the Spirit was an advantage to you, it's the truth. The Holy Spirit's an advantage to you. There should be no debate whether, whether that's a truth or not. It is the truth. He's an advantage. And we can live without the advantage, but why do we want to? Why wouldn't we want the advantage? In everything in life, we want to take advantage of what's better for us, what's good for us. So, so there we are. I just uh, so hope that uh, if there are, if there were any barriers, you know, for a lot of the of us, it's just a refresher course. Uh, at one of our elders' meetings, uh, CW said, you know, we want to have more of the spirit involved. That's what we want. That's what we want as the leadership in Bible Center. We want the Holy Spirit to be uh, understood and acknowledged, and, and we want to take advantage of what he has to offer us. It's it just such a simple truth, but take advantage. Do what's profitable. Do what's better. Do what's good for you. You know, sometimes in Christian, in the Christian life, it's good to be selfish. When your personal salvation, don't worry about the questions you have about the tribes in, out in some remote area. How do they get to know Jesus? First, get to know Jesus. Because you can't give away something you don't have. If you don't have salvation, you can't lead anyone else to salvation. So you make sure you make sure you've got that. And you can't give knowledge of the Holy Spirit away unless you have knowledge of the Holy Spirit. So search for Him, seek for Him, live, walk out those promises. God says He's your advantage. Do it. Uh, probably too late to bring the music people up. So, <laughs> so we just close. <clears throat> uh, let's close with a prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are, for what you have done in the past and what you are doing today and what you have for our future. We only want to look to the past to remember your faithfulness. We want to look to the future for where you're taking us, what you have in store for us, mighty gifts that you have in store for each one of us if we would just take advantage of the offering that you are giving us. We are offering the ability to operate in these gifts 
you are a gift yourself. We thank you for that. And we just want to know you more. We want a personal relationship with you so that we may glorify the Father and the, and the Son through you. Yes, Lord. We want to follow, we want to glorify the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.